Pushkin. Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank N.A. member FDIC. Copyright 2024, J.P. Morgan Chase & Company. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. I'm Paul Caventa, and I wrote I Bought an Elephant to find out how to save them for Outside Magazine, and it's the story of the week. Look, I don't really care about animals, but I do love a prank, and there aren't a lot of organizations professionally dedicated to pranking other than people for the ethical treatment of animals. So back in the summer of 2000, I called PETA and asked if there were any cool pranks coming up I could join them on. They invited me to an Acme supermarket in Wilmington, Delaware. Wilmington is in the heart of chicken raising country. When I got there, they gave me this giant chicken suit and told me to go inside the supermarket and affix these little stickers to all the raw chicken products. And the sticker said, warning, this package contains the decomposing corpse of a small tortured bird. I went in and tried to put as many stickers on packages as I could, which was not easy with the fake chicken hands and the lack of visibility from the big chicken eyes that were way too high for me. And I yelled out my lines like, give a cluck as best as I could. But someone started making threatening balking noises at me. And that's when the police came. They started escorting me towards the exit. When I got outside... This officer made me stand against the wall and started taking pictures of me, some of them with my chicken head on. I, I was nervous that these were mugshots, but uh, they were just for the personal use of the police officers. So I've done my part for the animal movement, but not nearly as much as today's guest, Paul Cavinta. Writing is hard. 
Who's got that kind of time When you're already busy trying to be Joe Stein So he turns on a mic, maybe twiddles a knob Calls a journalist friend who's got an actual job Auditory, single story Just listen to smart people speak Conversation filled with information It's the story of the week. I once ate a $500 dinner alone at a restaurant called Alenia in Chicago and put it down on my expense report for Time Magazine as Dinner with Bruce Willis. For his article for Outside Magazine, Paul Cavinta bought an elephant. I cannot imagine what he wrote down on his expense report. Paul, thanks for coming on. It's the second time we've had you on the show. Congratulations. Well, thanks. I'm glad to be here. This story is even crazier than the last one. When I first read the title, I bought an elephant, I thought it was like an exaggeration just to get me to read the piece, but it is not. In fact, it's an understatement because you bought two elephants. <laughs> why, why didn't you brag about buying two elephants in the headline? I should have. So the story starts in Laos and there's a 747 that's landed at the airport at midnight bound for Dubai. And it's it's picking up some very unusual cargo. There were 16 elephants and Dubai was putting together a new safari park and they needed elephants. And There are a lot of wealthy countries now, including the UAE, China, who are creating new zoos, and they need animals for those zoos. How do you even get elephants on an airplane? Like, they would just tear the place up, no? (laughs) So they had some specially made crates, Uh uh, and they were going to put the elephants in the crates and then put the crates on the plane. These elephants have been staged outside of the capital of Laos, Vientiane, and this was all going to take place under cover of darkness. Those elephants were going to be moved by, by big trucks to the airstrip and put on this plane. That was the plan. But, you know, as these things go, there was there's a lot of, you know, dark money floating around. This is all illegal. Illegal it's, under Laotian law or international law? Under Laos law. That's correct. Okay. And apparently the zoo in Dubai had sent middlemen to negotiate with these mahouts in uh, or these elephant owners in Laos, and they had, you know, reached all sorts of, of under-the-table deals. Well, somebody didn't get their payment somewhere along the line. Somebody complained like about bribe. this. Right, complained about yeah. this to officials. We don't know exactly what happened, but it, literally as this was about to go down, suddenly all these officials appear, the elephants get confiscated, they don't make it to the airport, and everything falls apart. And then the, the president of, of Laos makes this statement saying, we will never part with our elephants, and how could this have happened? Okay, and Laos is like a global hub for wildlife tracking, like ivory and rhino horn. It is. What is going on with that country? The institutions of Laos aren't particularly strong. There's a lot of corruption in the government. And if you have, if you have money, uh, you can do, do a lot of things in Laos. It's nearby countries that now have a lot of money. And you said that, when these countries get money, they tend to like build these lavish zoos. Is that something you do when you get rich as a society, like build the world's tallest building and build zoos? I guess so. I <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Uh, or send people to outer space, right? Um, oh, right. 
China is building a lot of zoos, a lot of aquariums. People have disposable income. They want to, you know, different kinds of entertainment. Uh, and zoos and aquariums would, would fall into that category. Okay. And the reason there are all these elephants in Laos that are kind of available is this unintended consequence of a law to protect the environment there, right? That's right. Yeah. Laos traces its history to the 14th century kingdom of Lang Zhang, which means land of a million elephants. So there's there's oh. always been a ton of elephants in Laos. They are just a celebrated species there historically. But now the country has only 800 elephants. Half of those are wild, half are domesticated. In 2016, uh, Lao banned the export of unprocessed timber. And elephants and their mahouts had really been the backbone of that industry. So when that was banned, suddenly you had all of these unemployed elephants and unemployed mahouts. So that's been and one the of the— And the are the people that, that have, for, I guess, centuries, trained elephants to do things, including logging, which is Co- now— Correct. Which is now illegal to protect the forests? Or to protect the forest. And, and okay. yes, as you say, the irony is that those owners are much more— um, you know, there's an incentive for them to— to now sell their elephants. And so they're doing it to these people in China who are trying to create these zoos. And I imagine the mahouts, the people that train these elephants, are not happy about having their way of life destroyed and having to sell these elephants because they're they're like spiritual creatures in Laos. That's right. As part of this Buddhist belief, uh, people have 32 souls and the only other creatures that also have 32 souls are elephants. I don't even think I have one soul. Thirty-two. That's exhausting just to think about. How many souls do you think you have? I, I have, you know, I've I've got a lot, Joel. I have I have a hundred <laughs> souls. <laughs> You've got a hundred lives to have lived through all of these things. These are all. I have not done reporting like this. Hmm. Okay, so they have these sixteen elephants that are not going to Dubai. Uh, they have a lot of free time in their hands now as elephants. What are they going to do with them? These elephants end up at this wonderful place in Laos called the Elephant Conservation Center. And this is like a forest somewhere? Yes. Can you pay to go there? You can. You can. Tourists can go. And in fact, they were there when I spent time there. Paul, it's starting to sound a lot like a zoo. (laughs) That's funny. It's not caged in at all like a zoo. They basically live in the forest, but uh, they always keep tabs on them. Uh, and if you're a paying tourist, you can go and you stay in this sort of you know, not fancy lodge and and you can, you know, get guided out into the forest and where you can see these elephants, um, you know, drinking at the riverside or the mahout is bathing them in the river. So <laughs> it's not a zoo. It's not completely wild either. It's somewhere okay. in between. So it's run by this young kind of American woman who's 25 and she has this sort of crazy idea, right? Right. So her name is Chrysantha Pinto. She is a a scientist from the United States. And so what she wants to do or wanted to do is, can we take these elephants we have here at the Elephant Conservation Center? These are all, you know, formerly, these are all domestic elephants. They don't know each other for the most part. Can we put five of them together and create a herd? Now, in the wild, Joel, an elephant herd is made up of adult females and they're young. So it, no one's ever really tried to, to just sort of slap together a herd of elephants that don't otherwise know each other. 
people have attempted uh, in other Asian countries to introduce domestic elephants into the wild, and none of those efforts have, have really succeeded. The Queen of Thailand did it, right? That's right, she did. They put together you know, a handful of elephants, put them out in the wild, and these elephants suddenly just you know, roamed everywhere and did not stay together as a herd. And, you and really just need... like attacked people's houses and stuff, right? Exactly, yeah. So that's yeah. one of the concerns is that there'll be this human-elephant conflict, they'll trample crops, they'll run over houses, they'll stomp on people. Chrysantha Pinto at the Elephant Conservation Center in Laos, when she decided, how am I going to put together an elephant herd? She started with three of the elephants that had been bound for Dubai. One was an older female, and one was a young, a young elephant, a young male elephant, a five-year-old, and another adult who sort of served as the doting aunt. So Chrysantha started with those, and then she she added another female, and then she also added a fifth uh, adult female elephant. And these were the, this was the herd that she watched for months there at the Elephant Conservation Center. And, you know, Joel, all this drama unfolds inside this elephant herd. You know, the three elephants don't like one of the other females. They, you know, they, they uh, kick at her and and whatnot. And then when the little guy, when the little elephant, the little male elephant gets upset, (laughs) what all the females do, their mothering instinct is to reach their trunks in uh, to his groin area because then they can somehow, by doing that, discern what his stress level is. So, Chris, Wait, every what? time, every time the little guy got upset and started crying, you know, these four mother figures would come in and, <laughs> you know, touch his groin with their trunks. Uh, Wait, they like wrap their trunks around the young elephant's penis to see if he's upset? That's right. That's right. And when they did this, Chrysanthemum thought, mean that's it, right? thought that was awesome. You know, this, this meant that they cared, you know, and they, you know, that this was another, one more clue that they were going to stick together in the wild, hopefully. So this is not awesome. This is going to send these elephants into elephant therapy for the rest of their life. <laughs> but does this work with humans? Like, do we not that I know of, not that I penises? know of. I, I have no idea. <laughs> My mother certainly didn't do this with me, Joel, if that's what you're asking. Um, your trip to this elephant conservation center sounds kind of amazing. First of all, you're meeting all these mahouts, and what are they like? So, uh, these five elephants that we uh, set free into Namfui National Park, uh, each of them came with a mahout that had known these elephants pretty much all their lives almost. These men were amazing, and they were all guys. They were amazing. I'll give you an idea. Okay. There was another, a British guy, a guy named Mike uh, Falshaw, who also worked at the Elephant Conservation Center. There were times when I was with this group of people, me, Mike, Chrysantha, the Mahouts, the elephants, when Mike would say, well, the GPS says we should go this way. And the Mahouts, (laughs) one of the Mahouts said, I've got a GPS. I've got two. And he pointed to his head and he pointed to his heart. And he would say, yeah, we're not, we're not, we're not listening to your GPS, Mike Felshaw. We're going that way. You know, and these guys just knew. And they'd be right. Like he'd they say would it would right. take an hour and they'd get there in like 10 minutes, right? That's right. I remember the first day we spent all day out in the wilderness. We come back to camp. These guys, you know, with their pocket knives had created a table chairs, a whole lean-to to to cover up all of our tents. They had gone into the river and caught all these frogs for us to eat for dinner (laughs) dinner that night. I mean, these guys were just incredible. So they walked in with no food and they made you a whole like dinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and the Mahouts are like flying through this place and you're struggling to keep up with them, I assume. 
Yeah, me and Chrysantha actually oh. are having a hard time keeping up with these guys. They're they're you know climbing up you know these really steep hills. We're halfway up this cliff, and Chrysantha realizes she has a leech in her groin, and she's <laughs> she she screams out, "Ah, it looks like I'm on my period!" So she was upset, and you know I had leeches all over me, and it was it was tough going. That's for sure. Ugh. All right, so it goes pretty well it seems like, with the elephants in the conservation center. Yeah, Chrysantha saw things that she thought was was quite hopeful. The elephants were mostly staying together. After I left, I later learned during that three-month span when I spoke with Chrysantha, that male elephants started developing a relationship with some of these female elephants, which, again, she considered a very good thing. So it went pretty well. It's like Love Island for Elephants. That's exactly what it is. I should have titled my story Love Island for Elephants. Oh, no. No, you should have titled your story I Bought Two Elephants. <laughs> when we come back, Paul's going to a zoo in China to try to buy his elephants. But first, today's sponsor has an incredible offer on some ivory tusks. As listeners to this show, you probably consider yourself pretty smart. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before NerdWallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet. But you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. 
Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Okay, so then you go to China, to this city, Kunming, and you've gone there to go look at a zoo, right? That's right. So after I spent time with on this experiment of reintroducing these domestic elephants into the wild, I connected up with an investigative filmmaker named Carl Amann. Uh, he's a Swiss guy, and he has documented different sorts of animal trafficking all over the world. What, what's he like? That has these sort of sleepy eyelids. And he, the person who comes to mind to me when I think of Carl is Peter Falk playing Columbo. Got it. This kind of frumpy guy who maybe you don't expect a lot out of. You don't realize he's a really good investigator. And Carl had identified two different uh, business groups. One was Chinese. Another one was Laotian. And these two groups had been steadily trafficking elephants out of Laos into China. And so at one point, Carl contacted the Laotian company pretending to be a Western man who who was going to start a, a new zoo in Guangzhou, China. And so he asked these this Laotian business, you know, how much can you get me elephants and how much would I be paying for them? And so he started this relationship with this Laotian company. And wh- what he learned from them was that very recently, they had just sent elephants, you know, illegally out of Laos into China. And Carl learned which zoo they had gone to. And if we could confirm that those elephants were at that zoo, we would have then documented this illegal trade from Laos uh, to China of these elephants. So I know that Carl is pretending that he's starting a zoo in China. Are are you there as a, do you tell them you're a journalist? Do you tell them that you're working with Carl? Or what do you tell them you're there for? Carl and I are basically working undercover. We are pretending to be a pair of Western businessmen who are starting a zoo in Guangzhou, China. And so we are out looking to purchase elephants. And, you know, we've we've been told that this particular zoo has some elephants and we want to see if we can buy some of those elephants and what how much they'll they'll they're gonna charge us. And and so we I, I went with Carl to this zoo and that was a, a really trippy thing. Do you know much about Chinese zoos, Joel? If I had a dollar for every time someone asked me that question. <laughs> You know, no. It, What's a Chinese zoo like? A Chinese zoo, the relationship between the the paying customers and the animals is quite different from what we have here in the United States. So, for example, there would be these um, enclosures of predators, big, big enclosures of tigers and lions and bears, and um, oh my, oh my, and you could buy a ticket. And Carl and I did this. We we bought a ticket, and a little mini bus can drive you through these enclosures, and you can buy food, skewers of raw chicken, or just a live chicken, and you can hold it outside, <laughs> stick it through. By the way, these little buses, they're covered in wire mesh. Why? Because you're going to drive into where the lions and the tigers live. Yeah. And then you can stick your little skewer through a hole, and it's got raw chicken on it, and you could buy a whole cow where this hydraulic lift would would then send the cow down a a, a Wait, ramp a, and a the tiger cow a live cow and 40 tigers would just like descend <gasps> on this cow and rip it to shreds so that's this, that that's a chinese zoo is, that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah wait so it's like a zoo but it's also like an amusement park like what is this i would call it an interactive zoo 
So, so with the elephants, and this is a very popular part of any Chinese zoo, you go see the elephant show. And so these five elephants come trotting out, and they're wearing these really fancy outfits. Uh, What's a fancy elephant outfit? You know, it's, it's got decked out in robes and spangles and bangles oh. and all sorts of glittery whatnots. And these mahouts or these elephant trainers come out there with them, and then they roll out the soccer ball, and the elephants play soccer. You know, and then they bring out the paints and the easels, and the elephants paint pictures. They've been taught how to paint a picture. And, or then someone will volunteer from the crowd to come out. Someone will, will go out, and the elephant will give it a quote-unquote massage, where the person lays down, and the elephant no. will take its big, giant foot and kind of tap along the back of the person. And the elephants will dance, and they'll spin around, and they'll just do all sorts of stuff. And then after the show is over... We just kind of wander backstage, go to the elephant enclosure area. When someone says, well, what are you doing? We explain. We have a woman there working with us, traveling with us, who's serving as our interpreter. Uh, her name is B. Uh, B explains, these are these two Western businessmen starting a zoo in Guangzhou. They want to see the elephants. And, and people say, oh, yeah, have a look. So we go back and we there's these 11 elephants in this enclosure. And there's a guy back there who's training them. So we watch this guy teach an elephant how to shoot baskets with a basketball. We start talking to him at length and he starts telling us, oh yeah, you know, these elephants came from this place and this place and this place. Not only that, we developed a relationship with this guy going forward and we were able to learn things like, for example, as I pointed out earlier, it's illegal to sell an elephant, a Laotian elephant to, to, to export it out of the country. So what was happening was false uh, lease papers were being drawn up and it was being made to appear that these elephants were being leased to this zoo in China for 10 years or whatever. But in fact, this guy was able to tell us that, yeah, basically that's all bullshit. Like when you, know, when you fork over your $20,000 or $80,000 for your elephant, that's it. You know, that elephant's not coming back. Wait, it's legal to lease an elephant, but not to buy one? Uh, I that's weird. I think that's the case. Yeah. That's a weird loophole yeah. of elephant buying. Yeah. Then you travel to Boten, which is a town in Laos right on the border with China. And why are you going there? We're told that Boten is the crossing point. These elephants are, are being shipped out of the country. And what we learn is that sometimes these elephants travel by truck out of the country and they, they actually go through the Laotian and then the Chinese border agents and, you know, through fake documents and such, they can get the elephants out. Other times when that isn't an option for whatever reason, these mahouts will walk, uh, walk, you know, trains of elephants uh, through the bushes kind of around the, uh, the proper border crossing. What is that city like? Boten is a crazy, crazy place. At one point, it was a gambling mecca. It was, you know, kind of a red light district and all these Chinese tourists oh. would go there. And it, it thrived for a while, but then I think someone got killed and there was a bunch of fishy stuff and then it kind of died oh. as a town. But when I arrived, new Chinese money was, was coming into it, but it was very much a Wild West place. It's like the Nevada of, of, totally. of the East. Like if you have a lot of money in China and you want a crazy bachelor party weekend, you go to Bhutan? Exactly, yeah. And so when I oh, went there, okay. there was a lot of unoccupied, tall buildings. Uh, there was like no one in the town, but building was happening like crazy. There was cranes all over the place, earth movers. They were blowing up hillsides to create flat space. I mean, there was just dust what? everywhere. And in the midst of all this, there, there was this one theater 
that Chinese tourists would come over in buses and go to this, this show. And it was a drag show. This place was called Club Excelente. <laughs> it had neon and, you know, it was just kind of this really sad looking place. Uh, did you go to the show? Oh, yeah, I did go to the show. <laughs> I did go to the show. You have to go to the show. In the parking lot of Club Ex, the very large parking lot of Club Excelente, there's two elephants basically living in the parking lot. There's a male elephant and a female elephant. So late in the day, the Mahout goes into the patch of forest to get his elephant, and he walks those two elephants back. And what he's that half mile, there's just dump trucks and earth movers, and they're literally making explosions, these construction crews, to blow up these hills to create flat space to build more buildings. So these poor two elephants are walking across this moonscape of, of red, destroyed earth. And they come back and they get to the parking lot and the Mahout sort of chains their, their, them by their feet to the parking lot. And then, you know, it's dusk. These Chinese buses arrive. They disgorge all these tourists. The tourists are happy. You know, they're getting their photos taken with the elephants. The drag queens come out and they, you know, they're entertaining the these Chinese tourists. And uh, and then at a certain point, it's time for the show. So everyone goes inside for the show, the drag show, and uh, for two hours. And then when they come out, it's dark. Uh, someone builds a bonfire. <laughs> and then, you know, there's dancing and techno music. And then there's these giant conga lines that are winding around the parking lot, winding around the elephants. <laughs> I mean, it's just completely insane. And these two poor elephants, these are two wild creatures and they're having to live like this. And so the elephants are there as a further means to entertain these, these, these Chinese tourists. So at this point, are you still undercover as elephant buyers? Carl had said to me, you're going to meet the Mahout, whose family owns these two elephants living a mi miserable lives in this parking lot of a drag show. If you get an opportunity, I want you to talk to this guy about buying those two elephants so that we can have them move to the Elephant Conservation Center in Laos to live a better life. What? Yeah. How crazy? What do you, what's your reaction to that when he asks you to buy an elephant or two well, elephants? Well, you know, it was just, there had been, you know, we had just done this whole undercover thing. And, you know, I don't know how spies do it, man. <laughs> but, you know, so for him to actually ask me to do that, yeah, it seemed a little weird, but it did seem any weirder than anything he and I had done to that point. And it certainly didn't seem anything weirder than I had already seen in all these Chinese zoos. And as I said, I was at at least three of them. And then when I got to Boten and saw what these elephants were living through, it, it made perfect sense that if someone needed to buy these elephants and, and get them out of there. So you're talking to this Mahout about trying to buy these two elephants from him. Um, what's the asking price for an elephant? Like, how high were you allowed to bid? The Mahout wanted $110,000 for, for the elephants. Is that kind of the normal elephant price? You know, Working on the story, I saw prices for elephants ranging from $20,000 for a, a, an adult male to $200,000 for a much-prized elephant calf. Oh, the babies go for more. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you can teach them more tricks. Uh, um, you, you, they're they're going to live longer. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, the babies were super, super important in this, in this illegal trade. Uh, you know, once we realized that the guy was open to it, then Carl got with the guy and began the real work of the deal. And then it came out, you know, then we started the GoFundMe page. I was at the very 
the very beginning is Paul, you're going to Boten. Ask this guy if he'd sell me these elephants. That's kind of. You're more of an elephant broker, really. I'm an elephant middleman, Joel. Get it right. <laughs> <laughs> but Carl pulled this off. Like he raised the money or yeah. paid for part of it. He moved them into the elephant conservation That's center right. where you started. That's right. That's right. Right. Every part of this story is shocking. Um, I know so little about the world. Yeah, it's crazy. Paul Cavinta, two-time guest. You wrote, I bought an elephant to find out how to save them for outside. Thank you uh, for having the, the the guts to return after what we did to you the first time. <laughs> well, thanks, Joel. Yeah, yeah. It did, it did require some bravery on my part. Yeah, I've learned to be nicer a little bit. <laughs> I'm worried that we've been unfair to Chinese zoos. To clarify, let me just say that American zoos are horrible places too. And not just the small local Tiger King joints, but our major LA, San Diego zoos too. They're so awful for the animals there that a huge portion of the animals are actually given antidepressants every day. Like more of the animals there than the human beings who are in LA and San Diego. If you want to see animals, just go see them in the wild or the poultry section from the Acme supermarket in Wilmington, Delaware. I really did learn nothing from PETA. At the end of the show, what's next for Joel Stein? Maybe he'll take a nap or poke around online. Our show is produced by Joey Fishground, Mola Board, and Nishavenka. It was edited by Lydia Jean Kopp. Our engineer is Amanda K. Wang, and our executive producer is Catherine Sheradeau. Our theme song was produced by Jonathan Colton. A special thanks to my voice coach, Vicki Merrick, and my consulting producer, Lauren Zelaznik. To find more Pushkin podcasts, listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Joel Stein, and this is Story of the Week. How much would an elephant that can fly go for? A fly like a 747 on its way to Dubai? No, I'm more like Dumbo. <laughs> yeah, you're probably looking at a few million for that. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. You ever get the feeling the city walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating your soul? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe chase some elk, fish a private stream. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there, and finding your own piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, location, the kind of hunting or fishing you dream of. Land.com. It's where the adventure begins.